hello and welcome. You're tuned to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Thank you for joining us. That's a great way of describing answered prayer. Well, that was a coincidence. I just prayed about that. If someone tells you that they are an expert, it implies that they know a lot about a particular subject or are highly skilled in a particular area. When it comes to religion, we might assume that a religious expert is one who has studied it, worked in it, and generally been a religious person for a long time. But the truth is that when it comes to religion, being an expert is not the goal. Tonight, Dr. Corbett continues his series on knowing Jesus. When it comes to religion, it's not what you know, but who. To challenge your thinking, let's join Dr. Corbett now for more in the series on knowing Jesus. It was during World War II when things looked very bleak for England when they their troops had gone over to Europe to help in the defence against the war that had just been recently declared against Nazi Germany and the, the German forces were overpowering the Allies and they were driven back to the beaches of Dunkirk and all, all hope seemed absolutely lost and the king and the prime minister called for a national day of prayer. What happened has gone down in history as one of the most remarkable documented cases of answered prayer from what was previously considered an absolutely impossible situation when the German panzer tanks were ordered by Hitler to halt rather than come in and uh, and cause the Allied troops, the British troops on the, the beaches of Dunkirk to face certain annihilation. The weather turned bleak, so the, the bombers couldn't see the the land or the sea. They, they, they lost uh, visual on that. The large ships uh, weren't able to come in, so small ships, small boats had set sail across the channel and were given uh, weather as cover. And it was an absolutely amazing set of circumstances where some 300,000 or so soldiers were brought back in, in what has gone down as one of the most amazing events, not just in recent history, but in history generally. This highlights the God whom they were praying to. It highlights that he is the God of the what might be considered the God of the impossible. We're going to see that Jesus said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With that, I want to pray. And as we continue in our Knowing God, Coming to Know Christ Better series, I want us today to come to understand that the God that we pray to, the God that we worship, and worship is an integral part of this journey, this discovery of knowing God, that this God is indeed the God of the possible. So let's pray. Father, help me now to be able to communicate your word in a way that helps people to want to know you, to desire to know you. I pray, Father, that as we open your word, your word will speak to us and that as a result of spending time together in your word, you would encourage our hearts to press in, to seek your face, to draw near to you and to come to know you. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. We continue through this series with the premise that that is the foundational truth 
that God can be known. There, there's a lot of things that perhaps sound like a paradox. And a paradox is where you have two opposite things that aren't necessarily contradictory. So it's a paradox is different to a contradiction. God is a paradox. In one sense, no one can ever fathom who God is, what he is about, how great he is, or what he could do, can do, and has done. It's just unfathomable. Yet at the same time, he can be known. He can be known. And in the scriptures, we see that in two places, God refers to human beings, two particular human beings, as his friend. And this is a remarkable thing, that people can come to know God. Someone has said that the Bible is the logical, the most logical document there is, if there is a God. And they've also pointed out that really, the more we get to know the God of the Bible, described in the Bible, and that the Bible reveals to us, the more we come to realize this Bible is written from a God who has an infinite mind, and therefore the Bible is baby talk. When you think about how much knowledge God has, how wise he is, how great he is to read the Bible so that it is understandable for us, his creatures, is an amazing thing. It really does highlight that it is baby talk from a God who is all-knowing. So when it comes to Religion. Many people think, you know, it's religion that, that, that puts you right with God. It's religion that helps you to be a good person, good enough to be in right standing with God. But what we have seen already and, and uh, what we are going to continue to see is that's not what God says about himself. God says, if you want to be right with me, you get to know me. And Jesus Christ said this in John Chapter 17, verse 3, in that, that Gethsemane prayer where he's just about to go and be brutalized and then nailed to a cross. And he utters these words, John 17, verse 3, This is eternal life, that they know you, Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So that is eternal life, he said. It's about knowing. And what I hope we are beginning to grasp here is that this God can be known. We can get to know this God. Jesus taught us that if we seek him, his father, God, we will find him. So God is the knowable God. And we're going to see, I hope to show you, that this God is the God of the impossible. In fact, I've just mentioned about Dunkirk, the evacuation of the troops. And and I guess the movie portrayal recently, a few years ago, didn't really highlight the the day of national prayer called for by King George VI and, and the Prime Minister Winston Churchill. But it was an integral part of that, that amazing event that <laughs> caused a, a movie to even be made about it. And yet they left out one of the the most uh, uh, prescient aspects of it, and that is the National Day of Prayer, where people were praying to God because that was their only hope. They had no natural hope of getting those boys off that beach and getting them back into England at all. And that's just one, one of many what we might consider inexplicable things that have happened when people have prayed 
to God about an impossible situation and God has turned up and done something, and I'll use this word advisedly, miraculously. And if by miraculous we mean, we, we mean by that God intervenes supernaturally into our natural world to bring about a result that would otherwise not have been made possible. So this world is a world where lots of inexplicable things happen. In fact, someone said, when Christians pray, a lot of coincidences happen. That's a great way of describing answered prayer. Well, that was a coincidence. I just prayed about that. And I hope that you'll come to know this God and that you will pray a lot more about your impossible situations and learn to turn to him. And I'm, I hope you clearly understand that I'm saying God's not the genie in the bottle. It's not like we rub the bottle and we get what we want. But having said that, some people have described Christians' prayers as, well, they're just coincidence. How many coincidences have you had? Have you ever had a really odd coincidence, particularly when you've prayed about it? And then, well, that was a coincidence. It was answered. It seemed to have been answered. Have you, have you ever been in a situation where something happened, perhaps quite unexpectedly, and as the passage of time goes by, you look back on that moment and go, well, it feels like that was actually meant to happen. People use that expression, oh, it was meant to be. Meant to be why? Meant to be because of who? And so we live in a world where people are aware there are times when God intervenes. What do we mean by, well, that was meant to happen? Because somehow it turns out maybe for good. Sometimes we, we have a, a, a moment where we, we, we feel that there's, there's someone there and there's no one physically there. These supernatural moments, these supernatural encounters are experienced probably by more people than you would realize. In fact, I wonder how many people have had someone tell them, someone you trust, someone you respect, that they had a supernatural encounter. How about this? Have you have you ever faced a moment of certain death? Have you ever been in a place where perhaps it was a car accident or an accident of some kind or something where, you know, given a hair's breadth the other way, you would have been dead and yet you're not? Perhaps you were injured and, and perhaps even recovering in hospital and doctors say it is a miracle that you survived that. Have you ever had those moments? The I should have died close call moments. Have you ever had anyone say, I've, I'm really blessed? <laughs> and they have, to your knowledge, no real awareness of God. But they use that language, I feel really blessed. I'm not sure how you can feel really blessed without realizing that a blessing is a gift. And if it's a gift, it's come from someone. So Sometimes they don't use the word blessed. They use the word lucky. It's almost a synonym for blessed. I've been really lucky. Lucky, what does that mean? Someone's pulling the strings behind the scenes. What about, have you ever met someone who was praying about an impossible situation for years and years? And then one day, suddenly, it was answered. I can think of that with my own daughter. And I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this. For nine years, my daughter and her husband were trying to have a baby. 
And for most of that time, they were praying. And I remember one morning in particular, I had felt to have a, a, a really an intense week of prayer for my daughter so that she would be able to conceive and, and have a child, the child that they had longed for since the time of their marriage. And this had gone on for nine years. And this particular week, I'd come down to the church rather early in the morning, about 5.30, I think it was, in the morning. And it was in the the, the time of year when uh, the, the, the sun came up early enough to light the buildings. I had the, the curtains open. And, and I remember walking around our auditorium praying, praying for our church, but praying particularly for my daughter, praying particularly that God would bless her with a baby, her and her husband with a baby. One particular morning of that week that I had felt very strongly God wanted me to do that, I received a phone call from her at about six o'clock in the morning. Now, uh, you might think, oh, you, you have a, a relationship with your daughter where she can call at six o'clock. Well, actually, no, I don't, uh, in the sense that, that was, this was unusual. And uh, she was FaceTiming me, so it wasn't just a, a phone call, it was a video call. And she and I turned the phone around, and, and behind me was the window, and where the sun was coming up over our our uh, over on the horizon. But I had the car park in the foreground, and she said, "Oh, Dad, where are you?" And I said, well, "I'm I'm at church." She said, "What are you doing at church at this hour?" I said, "Well, I'm praying." What What are you praying for? I said, "Her name's Ebony." I said, "Ebony, I'm not just saying this. I've literally been praying for you." And she said, well, what are you praying for me about? I'm actually praying that God will bless you with a baby. And at that, she began to cry. And she said, Dad, that's why I'm ringing. I'm pregnant. And that was one of the most amazing moments that I've ever shared with my daughter. That that moment when the very thing that God had called me to pray for after nine years of praying for it, she rang me to say, God has answered our prayers. God has answered our prayers. And I look at that moment and, you know, almost emotionally I'm dropping to my knees and lifting my hands in the air and I'm just worshipping God. I'm just thanking God. And for those who know the rest of the story, there was more miracles and there was more answered prayer involved in that experience as well so yes have you ever met someone who has had a miraculous event happen in their life because of prayer yeah well if you haven't you have now because that's me you know mark chapter 11 verse 24 jesus said to pray and he used the expression believing you have already received your answer and he says in Mark eleven twenty four, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Begin to pray to my Father in heaven, believing that what you are praying for, not only is he able to do it, but that he has already done it. C.S. Lewis has an interesting essay on this where he says, Oftentimes what we're praying for is coinciding with God's eternal plan. In other words, the thing we're praying for, God from eternity had already decreed at that moment 
it was about to be answered. It's an amazing thought. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, pray believing that you have already received it. Another time in Luke chapter 848, Jesus told a lady, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I wonder reading that, is there any principle for us to learn? To learn, do we learn, should we learn this principle that when we come to God with a request, we should have the faith that He will do it? Should we have the faith that He can do it? Is this a principle for how we should pray? And so, when we're getting to know God, we're realizing He is the God of the impossible made possible. This is the God we worship, and we see in the Bible that those who had a very close relationship with God knew nothing was impossible for him. I want to give you two, I think, profound examples of this. We could look at the life of Abraham having a son, him and Sarah having a son at at, at their old age. We could look at the example of Moses, again, in his old age, being raised up as a deliverer of Israel out of Egypt. We could look at Joshua taking in basically an unarmed army to fight a trained army who were fully equipped and they won the battle. We could look at a young shepherd boy by the name of David being able to kill a, a massive giant with just a stone and a sling. We could look at how God answered the prayers of these people to turn what was seemingly impossible into the possible and done. Thank you very much. But we're going to have a look at the, the, the story of a divinely disappointed man. His name is Zechariah the priest. And the story picks up in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abiah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And just there, if, we, if that's all the information we had about them, and then we knew that they were praying for something, we would say, well, surely God will answer their prayers. He's a priest. She's a righteous woman. She's a prayer warrior. They are righteous and blameless before God. Surely God would answer their prayers. And God seemed to be silent to them. And they, Luke chapter 1, verse 7, But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Verse 8, Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people, verse 11, were, verses 10, 11 rather, were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fell, fear fell upon him. So here's Zechariah praying now he's an older man. He's been praying ever, surely ever since he was married to Elizabeth for a child and no child had been given to them by God. He had a very clear understanding of, of God's sovereignty and power. And now he was probably at that point where he was 
blaming God. Who are you, God? I'm asking you for decade after decade for a child, and you're silent to me. What kind of God is silent to a priest? What kind of God ignores the prayers of people who serve him so faithfully? Now the angels turned up. Had the angel turned up as God's messenger of judgment? After all these years of quiet complaining about God's silence, was, had God now lost patience with him? Did Zechariah think, yeah, that'd be right. First he ignores my prayers and my pleas for a son, and then he sends his angels to smite me for my complaining. Is that what's going on? Is that what's really happening here? Well, Zechariah, it says that the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son And you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. So the angel has announced to Zechariah, that this child was born for a mission, not just any mission, the the mission integral to God's plan of redemption for the entire human race. This John, whom he was told to call his child, was to be a Nazarite. And that's described in Numbers chapter 6, where it says that a Nazarite was not to drink wine or even touch grapes or go near the dead. And this is what he was to be like. And he will go before him in the spirit, go before him, the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. He's citing Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, which says, And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. Verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they wondered at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, He was unable to speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. We see, despite Zechariah's initial doubt, what the angel told him, he actually returned to his hills of Judea, and he actually acted on the word of the Lord. It's like... You know, I'll leave that up to your imagination. And it says in verse 23, And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus 
the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my my reproach among people. We can see that God actually had a very good purpose for the apparent quote-unquote delay in answering Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer for a son. This is, this is a really important point in getting to know the God of the impossible. Just because God may not answer our impossible prayers when we want them doesn't mean A, he can't, and B, he's not going to. Sometimes God's delays in answering our prayers may be for a very good reason, which we are not immediately aware of. So this is what we're looking at now. That the more you get to know God, the more you are prepared to pray for the impossible. Do you note the difference between Zechariah and the earlier example in Luke's Gospel of uh, of Mary? Or not the earlier, the, the next example is Mary, where the angel appears to her as well. And we have her saying, be, be, may it be done unto me as you have said. Mary was a young teenage girl. Elizabeth and Zechariah were elderly. There's something about that, I think, that young people have a greater propensity to believe God and trust God. But I want to share another example of the impossible being made possible when God's people met to pray. And this is taken from Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, the apostle James has just been martyred. We've just read that verse. And now Herod planned to kill the apostle Peter also. And it says in verse 5, And so Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Verses 7 and 8 of Acts chapter 12 says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And when he did so, he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And when he realized this, he went to the house. When he realized it was an angel doing this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. (laughs) But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. Sometimes God, we see from this story, God answers impossible prayers after decades. This is what we saw with Zechariah and Elizabeth. But sometimes God Answers immediately. And this is what we need to know about coming to know Christ, coming to know Jesus. When you get to know Christ now, today, you can trust 
him with your life despite impossible circumstances. I mentioned right at the start this verse. This is Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. And Jesus looked at them, his disciples, and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So here's my question to you. Do you want to have a closer relationship with God? That is, through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you the way to do that is exactly the same. That's how you develop a close relationship with anyone. Three things. Number one, spend time together. Spend time in God's presence. Do it in church. Do it in your family. Do it alone. However you do it, spend time with God, worshipping Him, adoring Him. Number two, talk and listen. That's called communicate. (laughs) Talk and listen. Remember, two ears, one mouth. (laughs) There's your ratio. Listen, talk with Him. How do we listen to Him? It starts by learning His voice in exactly the same way that it happens with a young child, a small child. They, they don't understand what their a newborn child doesn't understand what their parents are saying, but they understand it's their parents. They begin to understand because they hear the voice and they learn the voice of their parents. Get to know God's voice, the sound of his voice by reading his word and then listening and heeding to his word and then his spirit. As you grow and you learn his voice, you'll learn his language. And then number three, By seeking him, by seeking his help, and then by offering help. In other words, by surrendering to him. These are the three ingredients for developing any relationship, but especially a relationship with God. And because of this, I now want to pray for you and pray that God will open your eyes, your ears and your heart, that you might come to know Christ more. Will you pray with me? Father, help us to know Jesus, whom you have sent to be our Savior and our Lord. Father, your word says this is eternal life, that they know you and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I pray for all those who are listening with me now, that their hearts would be turned over to Jesus, that they would want and desire and long for a relationship with Jesus Christ the Lord. And if that's you, can I tell you, you're not a million miles away from God. You are just one prayer away. A prayer that could sound as simple as this, God save me. God rescue me. God take me. I want to lay my life down for you. You pray a prayer like that, I guarantee you your life will be different from this point. And as you continue to get to know Jesus, you just keep doing those three things. Spend time with him, listen and talk, seek and offer help from him and to him. With that in mind, let me pray for you because God wants you to know him. Father, thank you for this opportunity to open your word this day. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to share your word and encourage your church. May those who have joined with us now 
long and desire and seek to know you more deeply and sweetly. May we each come to know you as the treasure of our soul. May we know the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to listen again or you've missed a program, you'll find an archive of all previous episodes on our website, findingtruthmatters.org. For tonight's program, select from the Knowing Jesus series from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. No matter where you are on this journey of exploring what is true and what's not true, you'll discover that the God of the Bible is worth getting to know, worth developing a relationship with. In the end, it's not what you know about religion, it's who. More of Finding Truth Matters next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.